Hi, welcome to episode 27 of The Beauty of Ugly. My name is Sim Tong and let's talk about some stuff. Okay, uh, what have we got this week? We are actually... Let's start off with... Um, this week was fun because I actually moved my all my streams to the afternoon. And I didn't realize this, but uh, actually uh, I work a lot better in the afternoon compared to at night. You know, I was doing my streams the whole night. Uh, I mean, the whole time, well, for weeks or months now at night. Um, thinking like, well, it makes sense because people are um, tuning in at night, right? But, uh, and, and that that part is still true. But the, the disadvantage, I guess, is that uh, I'm all tired at night. I'll do the stream and then... Uh, at least for the podcast, right? I'll do the podcast and then I won't edit it and I'll just leave it aside. And then maybe I'll, or maybe I'll edit it on the same night. Sometimes I'll leave it into, until the morning. I've forgotten what I've said. I, the whole thing is harder to edit. And uh, yeah, just seems a lot easier when I'm doing it in the afternoon. So yeah, afternoon streams. And uh, the reason for the afternoon streams this week was because I wanted to talk to some comedians that I have just been um, I haven't been talking to them I kept um, uh, kicking it down the road you know keep putting it on the back burner like yeah one day I want to talk to uh, Jimmy Earl and Dustin Wood and I never did because uh, they are in a different time zone and when I'm when it's at night for me it's actually yeah it's like super early in the morning uh, in California. So I, I wanted to talk to um, United States West Coast people. Um, so finally, I moved my stream to the afternoon so that I could do that. And I got to talk to, uh, yeah, very interesting conversations this week on my checking in on funny people live stream. <clears throat> talk to uh, Jimmy Earl. <laughs> Second time I had had him on stream. I've been wanting to have him back on stream. Talked to Dustin Wood for the first time. Talked to um, Jetro. Um, <clears throat> first time having uh, Jetro Trogo on uh, on a one-on-one. Oh, I also had Linda Marcus Smith on. So uh, yeah, everybody was very interesting this week. Um, when I was talking to Jimmy. He recently opened for Carlos Mencia. Um, yeah, so he's one of uh, Carlos Mencia's uh, pretty regular openers, I guess. Uh, every time there is um, a show on that half of the country, I guess, or, or pr- pretty much any, anywhere in, in America, probably, um, Jimmy uh, quite often would be opening for Carlos Mencia. And uh, the first time I talked to Jimmy a uh, few months ago, I did ask him, you opened for Carlos Mencia, but Carlos Mencia is uh, someone, at least on the internet and within the comedy community around the world, is kind of known as someone who's been outed for stealing jokes. So I did ask him about that. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can look it up on YouTube. I guess uh, it's if you look up Joe Rogan and Carlos Mencia, you will you will find the whole thing. Basically, um, Joe Rogan at the time 
Carlos Mencia was the biggest uh, was a bigger comedian than Joe Rogan. He was huge, but Joe Rogan kind of outed him out as someone the someone who steals jokes. Um, and uh, I watched a lot of these videos like years ago. And when I talked to Jimmy and I found out that he was um, uh, a comedian who regularly opens for Carlos Mencia, of course I would ask him about that. And uh, so Jimmy. Uh, uh, so I asked him if uh, the second time I said like, well, I already asked you the first time about. I said like I was surprised since you brought brought up Carlos Mencia or an opening for Carlos Mencia. I was surprised that in the comment section that nobody mentioned like uh, asked anything about that because I was expecting that uh, there would be questions about that, uh, and I already asked. A whole bunch of questions the first time so i'm not gonna ask it again but jimmy uh vo knew what i was talking about so he volunteered to answer anyway so uh his answer was that well he's never seen any joke stealing from carlos mencia as far as he knows and he's been working for him i think uh the past eight years or so um for many years at least several years um and uh, he's never seen any sign of um, any form of um, joke stealing or um, he never saw any like hint of unoriginality like he was always um, a good writer uh, in his own right um, so and I trust Jimmy Jimmy has no reason to make this up because uh, yeah he's um, he's a real stand-up guy and uh, yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, so I think about this, and in fact, uh, Jimmy said there was, and this this was not uh, part of the same answer, but it was uh, this was something that we talked about before that. Was uh, I asked Jimmy like how was his um, how was his uh, comedy shows, you know, and he said yeah, the first night was a bit rough, but the rest of them were okay. And he said that um, there was one joke that he did that was a bit low-hanging fruit or a bit um, maybe hacky. And Carlos Mencia uh, actually told him never to do that joke again uh, if he was to open for him because uh, that joke was uh, too hacky for uh, his opener, uh, which was uh, kind of interesting because I always thought that people, um, when they want someone to open for them, they would want someone to uh, warm up the crowd, get laughs, however you can, and um, ideally not upstage the, the headliner. Um, okay, so like if I wanted to do well in a show and I wanted to look good, uh, and I'm not saying that I do this, I am not, I'm not saying that... Um, Anyone I know does this, but uh, it kind of makes sense uh, logically. I would get someone to open for me who can do comedy, can get laughs, can warm up the crowd, but the quality of the jokes, I don't care, right? Because like, if it's low-hanging fruit, why do I care? You know, the, the crowd is laughing and it makes my jokes seem more clever in comparison right so logically i think like i assume that there would be comedians with that kind of 
um, uh, way of thinking around their process. Um, but yeah, apparently Carlos Mencia is not one of them. <laughs> he really wants quality even in his opener. So you got to respect that, right? Um, but yeah, I so I didn't go back and um, watch back those old uh, Joe Rogan uh, videos recently. But from memory, I remember watching them and I was really convinced watching them that this guy did steal jokes. Uh, just from the body language, uh, he was all his body language was super defensive, and um, uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's maybe he was guilty. Maybe it was because Joe Rogan is a uh, MM. <laughs> you know, he's you know he was a MMA fighter, or at least he he used to be a Taekwondo champion and moved into MMA, and this was. When he was still young, you know. Um, I I mean, he's still a beast, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what... The truth is somewhere in between the two, I would say. Yeah, so I... I'm... I am convinced... I am convinced that uh, everything Jimmy says is true. I don't doubt any of it. Uh, yeah, I 100%... Uh, trust everything Jimmy says um, but at the same time uh, I, I remember watching those videos and I remember also feeling like it is it does look very bad you know like why would someone make this up uh, because they're jealous of you but like there's so many comedians out there you can't be jealous of everyone why Why would one, one comedian be singled out uh so Jimmy did ask me, like, did did I watch the Q&A that he sent me uh, earlier? And I thought I did, but I, I went back and watched it and I realized, like, maybe I didn't. <laughs> but I said I did. Uh, so sorry, Jimmy, I, I lied. I, I think I didn't. And uh, so I went back and uh, scrolled way back into our messages to find back the link that Jimmy did send me. And I watched that Q&A. And uh, I have to say, Carlos Mencia, he was very upfront, you know, uh, about people coming up with questions. And like if anybody had any questions about the whole Joe Rogan thing, about the whole joke stealing thing, he would address it. Um, if people just came up with a comment, like one guy came up with a comment like, um, like uh, this guy steals jokes or something like that, then... Um, he just say like, well, it, this isn't formed in a f in the form of a question, so I can't really answer this, you know. But uh, this is part of what I've been dealing with over the years, you know. Um, but he was very positive about it. I I really respected that. So I, I I'll put the link in the description of this um, podcast um, if I remember to. Uh, sometimes it takes me a while to really update all my podcast descriptions. Um, but I'll get around to it. He did say if he sometimes subconsciously uh, steals a joke, he would, you know, apologize about it and say, hey, um, sorry, I did that. It was my bad. Um, everything he said sounded like something uh, an honest comic would say. At least right now, 
Um, yeah. So I, okay, the conclusion, my conclusion is I have no idea whether Carlos Mencia stole jokes from Ari Shafir and George Lopez and Bill Cosby and um, Bobby Lee, you know. I, I, I have no idea. But I would say that in recent years, he hasn't been stealing jokes. Uh, that, I think it's probably true i mean i don't know the guy i'm not a fan i don't watch a lot of his stuff but just from me talking to the people i know and then the topic came up and without doing a lot of research uh that seems to be my conclusion for myself yeah and also, the, <laughs> since I have a podcast with nothing to talk about, uh, I probably shouldn't even be butting my head into that, you know. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Defending Carlos Mencia. That's uh, probably the title of this podcast. While on the topic of joke stealing, um, I think uh, some of us remember Russell Peters actually uh, accused Trevor Noah of stealing jokes, something like that. I I think this was back when maybe Trevor Noah was announced as the host of The Daily Show, something like that, or around that time, or maybe within the first year or two, second year. Um, and the interesting thing was that uh, Russell Peters, in talking about that topic he actually also admitted that he doesn't steal jokes uh, except for one time he stole a joke from Gina yesterday and I think Gina responded to that video because also okay Gina is also um, she works with Trevor Noah she is the Daily Show's uh, UK correspondent so in a way maybe she has to kind of come out and address that but also because her, her name is mentioned but she was she she's uh, also a very stand-up person she uh she doesn't mince words and she doesn't yeah everything she says that it's just a thing she stands by um so yeah so she came out and she was like really upset like she was like just uh just found it incredulous that uh russell peters would be accusing someone else of stealing jokes and also that he only stole one joke uh she was like only one joke yeah um yeah that was that was a couple of years back uh i think yeah and uh yeah, we all love Gina over here. <laughs> she, and she, she loves Malaysia as well. And uh, I think a day or two ago, uh, a friend showed a video to me. I Because I haven't been watching that much of the daily show stuff. But uh, Angie Kita um, shared a video. It was about uh, a USC professor who was talking about a Chinese word that is used often and it sounds like the n-word so in a way was he you know was he saying the n-word or was he saying the chinese word and um this is actually an old russell peters uh, premise 
So I I looked at it and I was like, well, okay, the thing by itself, the premise by itself isn't isn't a funny thing, and in this case, it wasn't like uh, out of the blue they took this uh, premise um, because it because they thought about it, but it was more like this event happened. And then the news picked up on it. And then since they are sort of a comedy news uh, program, they picked up on that news. Uh, so the prem the premise was you could say the premise was chosen, but it's not like I thought of this premise, right? Um, it's just uh, the premise was the news item basically. The and you don't you don't create the news item the the news is already there is what i'm saying so i i don't think in this case i would call it like joke stealing even or premise stealing even also because the premise isn't the whole thing um if you just uh listen to the, to the story to the premise then you're like okay this is interesting but the funny parts are the parts that come after it and those parts are different in the Russell version and in this uh, Daily Show version, so I would say, yeah, my verdict is it's not joke stealing, I think, but um, but I think Russell Peters is still gonna be pissed because uh <laughs> he hates Trevor Noah, <laughs> so uh yeah, a little bit of a comedy gossip for us today. Sometimes, though, I think the premise is a whole, uh, like a large part of the joke, right? Like, um, I used to have this joke about um, dolphins pleasuring themselves. And then uh, somebody actually came up to me and said, um, do you know that dolphins actually, you know, um, they use the blowholes and they have, um, you know, homosexual sex with each other and things like that. I'm like... And I'm like, uh, yeah, but I can't use that because that's uh, Ricky Gervais already did that joke, right? And uh, in that case, I feel like uh, the premise is already funny, you know, the premise that like he, the whole premise of dolphins using the blowhole um, for sexual pleasure or using each other's blowholes for sexual pleasure, it's... um. I was giving this example the other day about I feel like if someone comes along and uses that premise and just changes the punchline, I think it's still the same joke in that in that case. Yeah. So I sometimes I do feel like the premise is pretty much the whole thing. But um technically I mean technically you could argue that it's a different one and uh, i have seen people do that and it's like oh yours is a dog mine is a cat so it's different you know but to me i feel like ah why don't you just let go of this joke and learn how to write a joke right that that is how i feel anyway i feel like i feel like fighting over you know things that don't really belong to you it's going to limit your creativity it's going to um, it's not going to help you in the long run. Uh, that's how I feel for uh, comics who are, you know, um, trying to hang on to bits that are actually just modified variation of other people's jokes. Um, sometimes I see that and uh, I don't want to be the joke police. I feel like uh, it's futile arguing over those cases. 
Um, and it's 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 none of my business in a way. But sometimes it is my business because it's like my friends' jokes, right? But sometimes it's like ah, you're doing Michael McIntyre's joke, or you know, you're doing a Louis C.K. joke. You know, what what do I care? But at the same time, I feel like uh, I feel sorry for the comedians who um, are hanging on to these jokes because you're sending a message to yourself that you're not good enough. And when you do that, then it is hard for the ideas to come to you. Uh, for original ideas to come to you because you're, in a way, subconsciously, constantly telling yourself that uh, I'm only good enough to do jokes that are different enough. You know, I'm not really good enough to come up with something that's totally different, like totally new. I, I think creativity is kind of a belief system more than like a talent or a it is a skill, I guess, but uh, it is also a belief system because it's like if you start with like, I think that original ideas out there, uh, I think that helps. That That is a good first step, uh, a good first step to looking for the ideas um, or being creative. If you start with like, well, everything has already been done, you know, um, I'm late to the game. Everything, everybody's done everything. I'm just here to um, do things that are different enough that I won't be called a joke stealer. I think it's very hard for you to come up with original ideas because you're always blocking yourself. Uh, this is what I believe. So yeah, original ideas, not easy to come by, but uh, they are out there. They are, they are out there and... Um, they will come to you every now and then. Uh, just, just believe in them. Just believe that they exist. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. Okay, getting preachy now. <laughs> this, I think this is gonna be a short one because I think that's pretty much uh, everything I wanted to say. Who else did I talk to this week? Um, I talked to Jetro. He, yeah, we talked about a whole bunch of nerdy stuff. Um, about Magic the Gathering. Um, yeah, I asked him this question. I, I learned this new thing, I guess, um, at least new to me. Um, yeah, basically, St. Paul is the twin city to Minneapolis, and Jetro is in St. Paul. When we talk about uh, Minnesota, we always talk about Minneapolis. Nobody ever talks about St. Paul, so I, I never knew anything. I never knew anything about St. Paul. Um, so... What is what is it like in St. Paul and what's the difference? So I think uh, Jetro summit, summed it up for me in the sense that uh, St. Paul is um, where people go to work and Minneapolis is where people go to have fun, you know. Um, St. Paul has no nightlife and uh, yeah, if you want to go out, you want to look for entertainment, um, Minneapolis is more of the place. And um, all the comedy clubs uh, are in Minneapolis uh, or something like that. He, Most of them are in Minneapolis, I think is what he said. Either most of them or all of them maybe even. Yeah. When we think about, when at least when I think about Minnesota, it's like Minnesota, right? So the, the capital of Minnesota is Minneapolis, right? It's, it's in the name. 
right? Saint Paul is kind of like just like what is this? The city name doesn't sound like it's uh, yeah, doesn't sound like it fits in there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's more in the etymology that uh, I don't know anything about. So yeah, but it's just first impressions is that um, think about Minnesota, I think about Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just summed, we talked about so many things, but I just summed it all up in like, uh, just like so briefly. Who else did we talk to? I talked to Dustin Wood. He told me about his uh, condition, which is blue rubber black nevus syndrome. He has the syndrome. He's a pretty amazing guy with a pretty amazing life story so far even like he was a wrestler before he became a comedian he wanted to become a pro wrestler so he was all about the pro wrestling thing and then uh, his doctor one day told him like he had this condition and uh, where he has like boils or bumps all over his body and if any of them is punctured his life can be in danger so uh, yeah he's always thinking about that and um, trying to live his life without fear and he didn't know this because when he was a pro wrestler one day he got really hurt and then the doctor said do you know you have this thing that could kill you if any of this gets punctured and he was like well I didn't know I thought it was a different condition but no he's like no this is blue rubber black nevus syndrome and it's very dangerous and you shouldn't be wrestling so he uh, he stopped pro wrestling, and uh, so he started doing comedy. And uh, he already knew how to you know market himself and everything because uh, it's all the same thing in pro wrestling. You know, um, when you're just starting out, you're basically your own promoter, your own um, your own publicist, and it's the same for comedy and it's the same for pro wrestling until you get to the wwe level and then they and then you're someone and they kind of uh i don't want to say take care of you i i guess they take care of the marketing side of things uh yeah yeah so uh dustin wood very interesting guy um what i really admire about dustin is that he okay you know that saying like um i don't know i don't even know if it's a saying maybe it's just like um inspirational thing on the internet or something but the idea is that you you would live your life fully and you would not waste any moment if you think you had a limited time on earth uh to live right i think there's a paul paulo coelho book on this um although i have not read any of his books but i i was told there was one <laughs> um like if you think you only have a month to live or if you think you only have a year to live you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be unappreciative. You wouldn't be wasteful of your time. In fact, you wouldn't even be uh, upset in a way or, you know, just uh, resentful because you won't have time to do that, right? Uh, you would just like, okay, this is it. I can't change any of this. Uh, let's make every moment count, right? So the idea is like that, but I'm like, also thinking like what if a regular person tricks himself into thinking that he only has a limited time to live then or or her you know him or her right if this person tricks themselves into thinking they only have a limited time to live then they would just 
value their time tremendously and they would be super productive right they wouldn't be you know wasting their time like i am you know playing video games sometimes uh, or just watching nonsense youtube videos um they would actually do some good you know or do what matters to them you know uh, write their novel or have their comedy hour out um, work on it you know or, or do whatever it is that's important to them start a charity or do something to help people something like that yeah they would be so productive right it's an interesting idea but it's also it doesn't really work it's a it's just a theory because um, you could probably do it for a stretch and then after a while you get lazy again because you know it's not real you know you're just tricking yourself but in the case of Dustin Wood he's sort of living the life where he doesn't know you know his life could be in danger and so he lives a life where he's just staying positive all the time and doing what he can all the time and um, just being happy not wasting any time being negative not wasting any time being upset he's done with that like he's not doing that anymore and uh, yeah just a super super cool super positive guy to be around i yeah i don't have a lot of things to talk about and i think that's the problem i'm just like picking at topics and uh I don't know if they are even safe topics, talking about joke stealing, talking about Carlos Mencia and the whole Russell Peters and Trevor Noah thing. I have to say though, in Malaysia, among the comedy community, people seem to have very little respect for Russell Peters. Uh, I'm still trying to understand this because I, maybe it's because we know Gina yesterday. Maybe it's like she doesn't like Russell Peters, so we don't like Russell Peters. Is it a bit of that? Or is it because uh, we don't like his comedy? Uh, I like his comedy. I, I think there's a place for it. It's it's early comedy, right? It's um, and he was doing a lot of these, what we call like um, you know, 1980s jokes. He was doing them in the 1980s. Right? <laughs> what do we expect? This this old, um, you know, doing impressions of people with accents, kind of thing. I mean, we are still doing it. We are not. We're not any better, you know. So, um, I don't know. I don't know where the judgment comes from. Is it because uh, he's done something that I don't know about? Or is it because of... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the Gina thing. Maybe because of the jokes he took from Gina. Um, or the one joke he said he took from Gina. But maybe there's more. But nobody likes a joke stealer, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, this this show should be called "Defending Joke Stealers." I think that <laughs> it'll be the end of my comedy career, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a catchy title. <laughs> okay. Um, Linda Marcus Smith was. Uh, the last comedian I, I spoke to on checking in with funny people I keep mentioning the the title of my uh, live stream even though it's got nothing to do with this podcast other than me being in both of them and uh, yeah that's how I'm that's how I'm doing my podcast now I'm just mining the materials uh, the conversations that I've had over the week and like uh, yeah this is what we're gonna talk about but uh, Linda Marcus Smith is very interesting in that 
um, she's been doing all these interviews with comedians. So similar to what I've been doing, but uh, I think she's a bit more professional about it. She actually prepares questions. Uh, whereas I just like it's not even I don't even dare to call it an interview. I just call it a conversation, and I prefer it being a conversation as well because um, then it allows the guests to, if they have any curiosity about me, about Malaysia, about um, the Malaysian comedy scene, about Asia, uh, yeah, I'd be glad to answer that. You know, I I feel like that's also more um, makes people more at ease. Rather than like, oh, they're just gonna sit back and wait for questions. Sometimes they kind of clam up when that happens. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm not good at being an interviewer. I'm better at I'm better at doing it the way that I do it, which is just to have a conversation. So yeah, she's been doing that. She's been doing the inter comedian interviews and uh, before what we call the MCO before the. Um, I guess in California, they call it the stay-at-home order. Before that, she had 29 uh, episodes. And since the the lockdown started, the stay-at-home order started, she's done altogether 508. So what's 508 minus 29? Let's do quick math here. Um, 479, is that it? 479 interviews or 479 episodes since this whole pandemic thing blew up right um since the world kind of was forced to stay at home she's been yeah she's done so many she's been doing like from three to ten a day there were some days where she did 10 interviews and here i am thinking that i'm you know 117 117 or 118 episodes in i was like wow i've been doing a lot you know and and then i look at what she's been doing i'm like gosh geez and she's and she's 69 you know she's she's not a young lady like she can do this and i'm like i have no right to complain about anything anymore <laughs> i just i just you know sim this is not hard what you're doing is yeah not even a quarter of what she did so mad respect for that lady linda marcus smith um yeah check out her podcast um i'll put the links in the description as well um and i'll put everybody's links everybody that i mentioned today i'll put their links in the in the description okay rishat all the comments are coming from you because you're the only viewer today i think uh considering that one joke was the highlight of her entire set if it's true that's one hell of a theft oh yeah so um it's the one about the fruit, right? Yeah. It was a great joke. And Yeah, I I think sometimes people just take the I mean, if you're gonna steal a joke, you're gonna you're gonna steal the best ones, right? It's just it's just ripe for the taking. It's just everything's just perfect. It's ripe. You're just there. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Although, um, I don't... Yeah, I I don't like the whole idea of joke stealing. Um, I, I don't like people who steal jokes. But more than that, I don't like the whole idea of joke stealing. Like, I think, like, 
in my way of thinking, it's like not beneficial for anybody. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Russell Peters uh, is at a different level, but I I feel like for me. I can't afford to lose any creativity, so I have to be positive. I have to stay positive. I have to tell myself, you know, um, there are, there are still good jokes out there that hasn't been written yet. Uh, you know, I have to do that. So uh, if I start stealing jokes, I'm gonna stop be- believing that a little bit, and then uh, it's all gonna go spiral downhill in terms of my creativity, creativity and writing. So um, yeah, joke stealing. I tr- I try to avoid even uh, subconsciously doing it if i can i try to look out for like ah did i steal a joke here you know um yeah and uh the carlos mancia one i i kind of like i totally believe everything jimmy tells me is true um and at the same time i kind of believe the joe rogan stories as well um because I think if I remember correctly, there was like talk talk about like he would go into um I think this was in reference to Carlos Mencia if I remember correctly like he would go into the back of the room with a notebook and watch new comics do their thing while he's taking notes, and you could always argue back in time and say like oh I wasn't writing that a thought came to my mind as he was saying this and I. I totally understand that as well because uh, I have thought about this as well where a comic is talking about something and it sparks off one idea in my head. I'm like, oh, okay, so I have an ending for my other joke now because um, this just sparked off something totally um, random, right? And um, or, or something, maybe maybe a word they said sparked off something in my head, and I was like, oh, okay, I shouldn't be saying ape, I should be saying monkey, or something like that, right? Um, and then I have this temptation to pull out a notebook. In my case, usually it's my phone. I pull out my phone and write something, but then I also feel like I'm watching a show here. If I pull out my phone, that's first of all, that's rude, you know, doing something else while I'm in the audience. Uh, and second of all, this is gonna look super dodgy. Someone's telling a joke, and I'm writing notes right in front of them. That's that's gonna that's gonna look bad, right? So I always try to like, if if I think like, oh, okay, this uh, he's given me an idea. It's not it's not his joke, but what he said, one of the words he said in his joke has given me an idea to work on one of my jokes, and then I don't pull out my phone, but I would think about like okay i gotta i gotta try and remember this and uh, try to write this down later um maybe what uh carlos mencia was accused of could be i mean who knows right um i wasn't there you know joe rogan was there so who am i to question him right uh so yeah but it's a possibility it's a possibility that even when someone pulls out a notebook and writes a note while someone else is on the stage telling a joke, there is that possibility that he is not writing down the exact joke, but he is actually writing down an idea uh, that is sparked off by that joke. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's fine, right? That's nothing wrong with that. Um, As long as it's not the same joke, right? If... If it's like, um, oh, your your joke is, 
your joke is uh, about it's exactly the same joke and yours is an ape and I'm like uh, yeah I'm gonna do exactly the same joke but I'm gonna change mine to monkey then that's different but if you said monkey and I'm like oh okay uh, yeah why didn't I think of that you know I could include monkeys in my joke even though yours is about um, monkeys masturbating and mine is about monkeys stealing durian you know, I think that's okay, right? There are different jokes that obviously different, like very different, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. But my, I think right now I would believe both Jimmy and Joe Rogan in that Carlos Mencia did do some shit in the past, but he stopped doing it and uh, and that's that's as good as it gets, right? That's like how long you want to punish a guy. Like, he, if someone didn't know how to write jokes before and they do now, you you gotta respect that a little bit, right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm just talking a lot of shit because uh, <laughs> there all these are big name comedians, and I'm who am I to judge them? I'm just nobody. Okay. What are we doing here? Uh, for some reason, last night I was thinking about how hard it would be to host the show. It crossed my mind that if you plan to do crowd interaction, it would be really tough to come up with a punchline <coughs> excuse me, on the spot and not subconsciously pluck out someone else's joke in that quick moment. Uh, yes, I have seen it done, and I've seen it done uh, a lot, and I have done it myself. Um, I didn't do it while I was hosting. I did it while I was doing an improv show where I had to come up with a joke real quick. And I did that. But I've seen other people do it while hosting. And I felt bad and I told the guy and I just, you know, I said like, yeah, this was one of your jokes. I shouldn't have done that. Um, and it was all cool. Um, but it was just in the heat of the moment, you're just desperate and you're like, okay, this would be funny if I said this. And then you say it and you're like, oh shit, that wasn't one of mine. That was someone else's one. Um, and uh, yeah, some of our friends do that a lot as well. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's right or wrong. I, uh, Yeah. And also there are jokes that are, um, there are jokes that are considered um, shared jokes or common jokes that are kind of shared by everyone I guess um, that's actually a Bill Hicks joke uh, I I think there is I, I mean in my mind it's a Bill Hicks joke who knows he might have taken it and maybe in his mind it was a generic joke and a bunch of comics share it who knows but there is a joke I heard Bill Hicks do it first and then I hear um, comedians do it all over the place. Um, well, okay, I, I hear Malaysian comedians do a lot of it. I I, I don't want to say what that joke is, but uh, it's a Bill Hicks joke. And I'm like, yeah, I guess uh, over here in Malaysia, it's kind of uh, accepted that, that is, uh, everybody can do that joke. Uh, I still don't do it because I still think it's a Bill Hicks joke because in my mind, it's a Bill Hicks joke. Um, but yeah, some a lot of the times these jokes that we do that are 
that we didn't write. I think a lot of the times we do it right after someone's done a set and we are reacting to that or someone in the audience has said something and we're reacting to that, we will pull out one of these uh, so-called generic jokes that are shared by all hosts. And if you watch enough uh, comedy, you will see uh, different people using the same jokes. And, and uh, yeah, those jokes probably didn't originate in Malaysia. They uh, came from somewhere else. Um, but uh, I don't really know what the... You know, I'm, I'm joining a comedy scene, so it's not up to me to decide what is right and what is wrong. Uh, so I feel like, ah, it's always been this way here since before I got here. So I, I'll i just do my own thing my own way and uh, people will do things their own way. Yeah. Um, cool. But uh, it's all cool for me. I like whoever does what, it's just um, they're doing their thing, right? And uh, I, I can't judge them because like I'm not even as good as them. <laughs> At comedy, right? So like, I I can't be the comedy police. I'm I'm just a nobody. Uh, and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be the comedy police because like, yeah, I mean, I want to help people, right? Uh, but yeah, you can only help people so much. I did tell uh one or two comics like you know this bit that you're doing is actually very similar to a famous bit and for me it's out of my concern for them because it's like why do you want like you, you're gonna be spending a lot of time trying to polish this joke that once you get famous you're not gonna be able to use because because people are gonna be like oh this guy's a joke stealer or you know he's doing um he's doing a michael mcintyre he's doing a louis ck or he's doing um chris rock or whatever right um yeah why why not work on something else rather than this joke that is already super similar to a joke that someone has already told on a hbo special or a netflix special like that is you're wasting time you know Work on something else. Um, so I have told people that, but it is not out of malice or out of jealousy or out of, you know, or out of ego, out of like thinking like, oh, oh, if I, you know, judge them, then I'm better than them. It is more out of concern as far as, I mean, this is me saying it. Like, I mean, I'm claiming that <laughs> I can only tell you what, uh, I mean, I'm telling you uh, how I think about it, but it is up to people to say whether I'm telling the truth or not. I could be a total asshole and lying about all my intentions, right? Nobody knows. Um, okay, um, Richard says, your description of similar jokes, it's Armageddon versus Deep Impact Scenario. The one I remember the most, uh, wait, uh, Kieran and Harif's version of Bashing the Grenade song by Bruno Mars. Oh, okay. Um, I remember that one. And I think that one is totally... Um, totally separate. They came up with it very separately. Because um, Harith is obviously the more famous comedian. Kieran, we have seen him do that bit. 
uh, for months or maybe even over a year. Um, and then we saw Harith do his one, and I think Harith did. I think Harith wrote that joke later, but it was independent because he didn't even know Kieran back then. I think like, and then we we all went to that one mic stand show where Harith was the closer, right, or something like that. I think, and then and then they were doing the the thing. I think that was what was going on, right? If I remember. Uh, I think I th okay. I might be wrong about the chronology, but I think I think that is what's going on. Uh, that was what was going on. To two totally different people having similar ideas and coming up with it. Um, yeah, that happens. And then uh, when that happens, what do we do? We just gotta sort it out. You know, who either you go by who came up with it first, or um. Or oh, sometimes it's too late. Some guy has already done the joke on, uh, on his HBO or on his uh, Netflix. And then what are you gonna do? You're gonna say, "Hey, I did it first at an open mic," and yeah, nobody's gonna believe you, right? So, and then you just have to kind of give it up, I guess, and write another joke. Uh, um, people getting into comedy, uh, a lot of the time we are getting into comedy with the unrealistic expectation that we would write a joke and that joke would last forever. And um, it's not a realistic um, expectations. Um, um, you can't live off your jokes forever. I, I used to think that. I used to think like, oh, you know, if I have an hour worth of jokes, I could just do shows all the time and just live off these jokes you know um but jokes kind of have a lifespan as well um the trend comes and goes you know um languages um, language changes um also sometimes ideas that are sort of cutting edge um as time goes by gets kind of becomes kind of mainstream and before you know it your cutting edge joke that you wrote 10 years ago is just uh coffee shop talk you know um Uncles at the copy tam are telling that joke to their buddies, you know, and then you gotta write new ones that are more cutting edge, more up to date, right? So jokes don't last forever, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, if if a lot of people knew that fact, uh, they would never get into comedy. <laughs> yeah, um, jokes don't last forever, guys, uh, and um, yeah, so. So yeah, it's um you you just gotta you just gotta when there's clashes sometimes you just gotta decide who gives up on that joke, and uh, sometimes it might be you and uh, it sucks but uh, yeah you you have to kind of deal with it. Uh, Richard says, "Hey Yala, I noticed there's a pool of jokes that are license free to anyone that's hosting here, particularly at Crack House. Yeah, there's a bunch of jokes that um um." Although having said that, there are jokes that are kind of license free or assumed to be license free, and then uh, people have told me that they are upset because they came up with the joke and now everyone is using it or, or 
one person is always using it so um i have heard that before as well so um i guess if you want to use a license free joke and you hear one person is the one that always uses it um ask them if they wrote that joke first and then uh and then ask if it's cool that you borrow it yeah i think that would be a good protocol but it it's an awkward conversation to have so i also understand why people don't have that kind of conversation so they just do it and yeah <laughs> and pretend nothing happened yeah uh yeah i'm just i i feel like i'm just opening a can of worms here today <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to i just you know i just uh started this topic thinking uh, i could just skim the surface and uh the more I go, the deeper we go, so uh, I don't know. But uh, I think you and I at least are interested in it, Rishat. Um, uh, Rishat says, I thought it was a great protocol, though helps newcomers hosts, uh, newcomer hosts get comfortable in that spot. Yeah, it can help. Um, it could be a crutch, though. Like, uh, you could borrow it and then say, like, okay, I'm going to return this when I get better at it. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, yeah, you could just stay in that level forever. And uh, and that's okay, too. You know, you can be a comedy club host and pretty much with that skill. Uh, and that's fine. You know, it's it's not easy. By no means is it easy. Even if you use a full set of borrowed jokes to host a comedy show and everyone's having fun, it's still not an easy job. You know, having having that speed and that energy and making sh and that personality. You know, to have everyone um, enjoying themselves and having fun. It's it's still not an easy job. Um. But maybe as time goes by, more people will pick up on this skill and then you might have to up your skill to to kind of stay at the same job. You know what I mean? Like maybe new comedians might be able to be a good host and have original uh, jokes. And then maybe then we would all have to up our game and keep up because otherwise why would we get that job right um i heard both of them happened to be at the same show and spoke of it and harith himself admitted kiran's version was brilliant yeah um harith is a very as far as i know um as far as my dealings with him harith has always been a very gracious guy he just I remember this one time there was a story of um, this was like in the early days of comedy, another comedian uh, having the same joke as him, and he wouldn't say anything about it. He would just be like, "Ah, yeah, never mind. I got other jokes." And they were all everyone else, Douglas. Everybody was just like, "No, man, you're the you're you're the Godfather. You gotta say something. You know, <laughs> you can't let this become the culture. You know." And then, uh, and then in the end, they did. And in the end. This is what I'm saying, right? As time goes by, both Harith and the other comedian stopped doing that joke because that joke was just mm, too mainstream to do anymore. It was just... The joke had used up its lifespan, so to say. So, yeah, both of them didn't do that joke anymore. Yeah. 
Why is there a square here? Yeah, it's cool. Um, because Kieran was about to hold it back on stage out of respect or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what happened now. I, I remember the place where it happened was actually PJLA Cabaret, I think. And there was some buzz because everybody know that Kieran has this joke. Or... Was it Harith who had it first? Now I'm so confused. Uh, I don't know. But it was, it was an easy one to resolve in that, in the sense that they were both, they were both not taking from each other. So it was um, just, it was just a simultaneous, you know, um, development, I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Harith, and also because Harith was gracious about it, so it was, it was easy to resolve. Um, yeah and uh yeah i mean it, can you imagine though if like they were both uh up and coming comedians or they both um were new comedians and they both had less than an hour let's say they, they both had like 15 minutes of material and this was like seven minutes of it <laughs> it's like that would be a big deal right yeah i mean I mean, it would. I'm I'm not not saying that it wouldn't be resolved in the same way, but even if it was, it would still be like, ah, whoever gave this up, this is a big chunk. Yeah. <sighs> okay, I think we're done talking about this topic, and nobody wants to talk about this. Why am I talking about it? This is like um. This is like sexual harassment. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah, actually, I gotta check up with uh, Charmaine on that sexual harassment thing because, um, yeah, the, the workshops should be happening soon, I think. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm gonna contribute to those. Uh, I think I, I I need to check up with her because I think she might be, it might be awkward for her to bring up the topic of money uh, contributions. Yeah, so I I should be the one. Richard says, oh yeah, on that note, though, there was no doubt they were very different jokes. Maybe that's why I remember it most. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I think this premise was similar, but um, of course, uh, Harith has his style and Kieran has his style, right? Yeah. Sometimes. But uh, sometimes the premise is a big thing, though, uh, like I mentioned before. Um, sometimes you notice this thing that nobody noticed before, right? Uh, and that's that is huge like you notice something it's there all the time it's something that everybody sees every day but nobody noticed it before so now you got a solid premise and then you create a joke out of it and then somebody else comes along and say hey you know i can do something different with that and then they take that premise it wasn't their observation it was your observation right and then they they kind of do something else, change the words, you know, or, or maybe change the ending a little bit, make it a racial thing, make it an ethnic thing, or make it a whatever it is, right? Uh, do some impressions, put some accents into it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that sucks, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That, that sucks when that happens. Um, yeah. It's like, oh, finally found something 
you know, that nobody else noticed this before, but I did, and then I do it, and then every somebody else comes along and says, hey, that's pretty good. Let, let me try something with that, you know. It's like, it's like someone taking your girlfriend, man. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a lot to edit, isn't it? Richard says, like the many parody rushes uh, during the MCO, every funny thing a politician would say, boom, next day we got songs, memes, jokes, early bird gets the worm. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with uh, topical stuff, and I used to do them too. Um, it's like, look, haha, this guy said this thing, that is, uh, uh, that is so stupid. And that would be like saying, and then I come up with an analogy, right? Um, I used to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if you do that, you have to know that uh, someone else is also doing it. Yeah. In the early days also, I think very few people were doing it, and now everybody's doing it. Um, uh, I, I think especially after the the last elections, the last general elections, uh, a lot of people were doing that. Every time somebody did something, said something, um, we would jump on it, and it's fun. I I enjoy it too. I uh, it would start off as a Facebook comment, and then uh, I'm like, hey, this thing maybe has licks, and then I would try it on stage. Um, but yeah, I have to keep in mind that uh, it's not as special as I think it is. Like I, I when I when the idea first hits me, it, it will feel like. Um, Wow, this is this is awesome. You know, I just came up with this idea and it's topical and I can only use this joke for a week. Let's do it. And then uh, in time I uh out of experience I realized like uh yeah, it seems special and it feels special, but it's not that special because uh yeah. 29 other comedians are also uh thinking along the same lines. Yeah. Topical stuff. Still want to do comedy? Yeah. That's not just ruffle every feather we can find. Um, okay, Richard says, but man, quite cutthroat. La. I know a few instances where comics abandoned their uh, material halfway because the premise had already been trolled so much in a space of a couple of days. Yeah, that happens, man. Um, I mean... I mean, what is going on here? Like you're saying like they have been doing this joke for years and then something happened... And then all of a sudden, everybody's doing that joke, is it? Uh, something happened in the news, and then all of a sudden, everybody has a joke on, let's say, drinking water or something. Uh, yeah, that could happen, I guess. Yeah, I... It's happened to me. <laughs> I used to... I don't know, I, I don't have any ownership on... Um, themes, I guess, or premises. Yeah, you can't own premises. Yeah. Uh, it's not cutthroat, la, I won't say. It's just the nature of things. La. It's just um, you noticed something and then nobody else noticed it. So it was kind of your thing. And then now uh, something happened in the news, like with this USC professor. All of a sudden, uh, everybody else noticed it. And then it's going to be memes. It's going to be everything. And um, yeah, what are you going to do, you know? You, you just gotta soak it up. You know, you're Russell Peters. You you have a ton of jokes. You write new ones. Yeah. It sucks when jokes are kind of like you have to give up on them. But uh, 
you also gotta remember that they don't last forever anyway yeah for the next eight days i'm gonna be in sabah starting tomorrow i think for let's say for the next nine days i think we're gonna be in sabah um yeah so it's just yeah i'm gonna be away and uh there won't be any streams there won't be funny from home there won't be checking in on funny people there won't be reading news together there won't be uh uh the beauty of ugly and uh, i'll have to come up with a new schedule i really like east malaysia um although i'm gonna be super careful because uh, i'm a bit apprehensive because that's where the, most of the COVID is, right? In Lahat Datu, in uh, Tawau. Yeah, we're going to be avoiding those places. We actually had to reroute our trip to avoid those two places. Uh, yeah, because I think even if we wanted to, I don't think we can go in there. It's kind of like red zones now in those places. Um, I think so anyway. Uh, but But our trip is rerouted. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be away, and uh, let me. I was gonna look at the calendar. That's why I picked up my phone. Um, I'll be back on the twenty third. So let's just say I'll be streaming on the twenty third again. Yeah, which is a Wednesday. So not next Wednesday, not the coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that on the twenty third of September. But I also realized that 23rd uh, is close to somebody important's birthday. <laughs> so maybe the 24th. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll update everyone and I will blast out the notice everywhere, I guess. Um, because uh, I don't want to lose my audience. <laughs> I want to, uh, yeah, I want to retain my audience. And uh, I know that's not easy. Uh I, I do think maybe I'm doing something wrong when I talk to uh, Linda Marcus Smith because she has 4,000 people waiting in line for her to interview. They are just like asking, like pestering her, like when can she do the interview? And she just has to kind of sort out and have a system of deciding who goes first and who goes second and all that. And I'm like, 4,000? You know, most days I don't have one. I most days there, so many days I actually ask people on the day itself, like uh, I don't have a guest. Um, you know, uh, do you want to have a chat? Uh, and I know a lot of it is because of me and uh, my uh, disorder uh, personality. Yeah, it's just. Me being in my own head, telling myself like nobody wants to be on your stupid show, and then like um, that's the voice inside my head, right? And I'm like, you shut up, you know. People don't mind coming on my show, and then, and then, unfortunately, my inner loser is very assertive. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so what ends up happening happening is I don't ask anybody to come on the show because I keep, you know, putting off that chore. And then uh, on the day itself, I panic and say, oh, can you please come on my show today? And then people are like, ah, I would love to, but I'm not free. You know, you asked me too late. So, yeah, it's it's been happening like that over and over again. And I got to stop it. <laughs> Richard says, have a safe trip, bro. But you sure 
though you want to do Sabah now, nine days near the red zone, bro. Get yourself a human-sized condom way, seriously. Yeah, man, I'm going to be... Uh, okay, when we are in town, we're just going to have a mask on the whole time. And when we're... Because we're going to the Danum Valley, when we're in the jungle, I think uh, we're going to have to worry more about malaria than uh, COVID-19. <laughs> or I don't know what, what. What do you have to worry about in the jungle? 80s mosquitoes, maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. All kinds of diseases. But uh, probably not so much COVID-19 because there's less people in the jungle. I think that's the, that's the theory. But when we're... When we're in a small town, like on the way there, uh, yeah, mask on all the time. Um, don't touch anybody. Richard says, next week's headlines will read, Senior Comic Climbs Tree for Cell Phone Coverage During Livestream. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is funny. That is funny. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm going to have withdrawals, man. I'm, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss you guys so much. I... I don't know how I'm going to deal with it, but uh, I think after the first few days, I'm going to be zen about it. I am also going to miss my phone because I think we will be in the jungle, so there will be no coverage. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be, that's that's how it's going to be. So yeah, if you don't hear anything from me, don't panic. Uh, yeah, um, if you don't hear anything from me for mm, for like more than two weeks, then uh, yeah, then you can start panicking. Yeah, you have my permission to start panicking. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I feel like I want to go because I like the change. Um, I'm going to miss being home, being comfortable at home, having the computer in front of me, you know, being able to stream. Uh, I'm going to miss uh, have, chatting with you guys. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I feel like a little change would be good for me even though it means having to go to uh, COVID country. But uh, yeah, maybe at least if I look at it in terms of like, maybe Sabah is not so bad compared to being outside of Malaysia, right? It's still better than going to Indonesia, I guess. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you guys on the next episode of The Beauty of Ugly. And um, it's not going to be for a while. There won't be an episode next week. So it's going to be another episode two weeks from now. I Fingers crossed. Okay, bye guys.